The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Oh, the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. It's March 31st. It's yes, crazy. tomorrow's April Fool's Day. I know. Beware April Fool's Day. Beware it now. Don't be sending me tweets and emails about Brett Favre making a comeback and Kyler Murray retiring to go play basketball like Muggsy Bogues. No, no, I don't want any of that because it's all fake tomorrow. I hate April 1st. Happy April 1st. Whoa, you hate this April day. Fool's Day. It's our day. We're both fools. Oh, well, that's Hello. for sure. Hello. BFT Live, Peacock, Sirius XM, NBCSN, Podcasts, Anywhere, Everywhere, Sky Sports. I assume that the folks in UK and in Ireland honor, respect, and or hate the April Fool's Day I don't know. You tradition. think so? I think so. I think yeah. it's a worldwide it phenomenon. Okay. I wasn't I, sure. Once upon a time, we used to peddle in the April Fool's Day nonsense, and then we reached a certain size where not everyone realizes it's fake and then you have a problem. So we stopped. We stopped that a long time ago. And now I'm at the point where I hate it. I despise it because someone at some point somewhere today will indeed swallow the hook and pass something along that is completely fake and phony and... The, the, the old saying, the lie gets halfway around the, around the world before the truth gets its pants on, that will that will apply today. And then everyone will laugh it off because it's April Fool's Day. It's the one day per year where it's okay to flat out lie. I, I just, I, I, again, I, it, 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 we used to do it. We don't anymore. That's all I'm going to well, say. It's got, it's got like, uh, I feel like everybody got so obsessed with it, really, the last like 10, 15 years, I guess really since social media to where... Now it's April 1st. You're so on guard. I just feel like it's impossible to get me or get anybody I know. I mean, I think everybody's ready for it, right? I mean, really, when's the last time somebody got you with a legit April Fool's gag? 
It's been a long time for me. It's been a long time. Yeah. It's been a long time. Right. What what I like what I like are the deliberately wink nod April Fools gags that you know are phony, but they're so well done. Like when the Colts introduced their all white uniform and yeah. literally everything on the uniform was white. The number was white on the white jersey. The border on the white number was white. The helmets were all white. The logo was white. Everything was white. And they had these great quotes like, it'll be impossible for our opponents to properly scout because they won't know who the players are. And and it was all a gag. Right. And it was great. It was great. It was funny. And you knew that there was no one out there that was going to take that seriously. Although there's always going to be somebody. That's the problem. And in there this is. age, as Pete mentioned to me of fake news, fake news ruined April Fool's Day because there's fake and phony stuff floating around all the time. There is. So you always have to be on guard for phony, not just April 1, but the other 364 days of the year. Yeah, no, no, you do. And, you know, now that you got me thinking, uh, I know the last time I got I got got on April's Fools. I come home. I'm in, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, 10 years ago. We're dog sitting for a family down the street. My German shepherd used to like wrestle play with this dog. So they were in a bind. We watch it. I go to the gym. I come home. My wife and my little girl kind of come out in a frenzy, but my wife especially, she sells it, and I believe it's my mom there too. Oh, the dog, the neighbor's dog ran away, and I, of course, get back in the car, and I'm cussing and cursing, and oh my gosh, I can't believe we lost this freaking dog, and just as I'm like pulling out of the driveway, my, I look, and my wife's laughing and everything, so that's the last time I got got. That was about 11 years ago. It really is wild, though. It is a license one day a yeah, year right. to be to be not, not and this isn't anything pejorative directed to your lovely wife, but it is a license to be a butthole. Yeah, right. I, because you you get you get to torture someone for a limited period of time. Yeah, turn their life upside down, and the whole challenge is: can you pull it off? Yeah, right, can I right. manage to make someone freak out and believe something? that isn't true just so I can eventually say the words April Fool's. Anyway, uh, so happy April Fool's Day. Happy yeah. April 1. I'm just happy that it's April. That we're we're a, a month closer to summertime, Yeah, a month closer to normalcy, and definitely a month closer to the draft because the draft comes up April 29th. We're four weeks away Yay. from the first night of the NFL draft. And we got a lot to get to today. Robert Kraft usually will conduct a media session at the league meetings, wherever they are, Arizona, Florida. It moves around every year. It's been now two years since the last time it happened. Pandemic, pandemic, knocked out 2020, knocked out 2021. What Robert Kraft did yesterday was make himself available to reporters for a conference call. And there were many interesting things said by Robert Kraft that we are going to unpack over the course of the next several minutes, Christopher. And we're going to begin with Robert Kraft talking about the very uncharacteristic decision by the Patriots to spend, spend, and spend some more in free agency. If there was ever a year to do it, this would be the year because we move quickly. And instead of having 10 or 12 teams compete against us for free agents, there were only two or three. I really hope it makes a difference. I'm excited about this upcoming season. 
you know, that confirms something I believe that the Patriots made clear to the individuals that they eventually signed. Yeah. This is the offer. This is the number. And the Patriots knew what else was and wasn't out there. And they were very strategic and surgical. And they knew who they wanted. They knew how to get them. They came up with a plan. And they can pull that off. They have a hold over players and particularly agents that no other team can manage. For example, most of the agents, the prominent agents, love to make it known through leaks to reporters what their guys are doing, where they may sign, what they're getting paid. That's how they promote themselves. The Patriots make it clear to these agents, if a word of this comes out, we're going to assume it came from you because it definitely didn't come from us, and we're just done. We're out. That's it. And it works. So I I think they worked these folks ahead of time. They knew damn well what the Patriots were willing to do. They knew that it was the best these guys were going to get and that if they didn't move now, there's a chance they're going to get nothing even close to it later. And I think the Patriots unfurled that plan for everyone they signed. I think that's where it was brilliant, you know. And, and again, I think that's where, you know, maybe some people are taken back by the approach or whatever you want to say here. But, you know, I go off of like kind of what you said. There was a plan. These were guys they wanted. I, I would be shocked, yeah, if there wasn't some heavy conversations leading into that first day of free agency just as far as, you know, Hey, these are the we're, you're on our radar, and not only are they guys that they wanted, you know, specifically. I think of this year with all the extra money too to add with that. They just went, okay, well, if we gotta if we gotta pay just a little extra money, maybe than we normally would in a in a normal year or anything like that. Uh, they were willing to do that, you know. But that that to me is the big thing. You know, other than Matt Judon, there was really no guy that was that like first day of free agency superstar splash signing. I know Jonu Smith is really good and other guys like that too. But the majority of their free agent signings, and this is what leads me back to like what you're saying, I think there was a plan. They had these guys specifically targeted. The rest of these guys were kind of later in the week, second week free agency type guys. And they made it like it was like, no, we got to have them right now and we're going to form our team and do it that way. So I think there was a very clear, specific plan here. And again, I think they killed it with what they did and and how they want to play, you know, in 2021. And it was the combination of having the cap space in a year when so many other teams did not. The competition was less intense than it ordinarily would be. The one thing this year that I noticed that we don't have in a normal year of free agency The folks who were spending just to spend, spending so they can say we went out and bought a bunch of players. The Jaguars may have fallen into that category if any team did yeah, because they had both the cap space and the desperate desire to create a different perception of the organization. But for the most part, it was strategic football-related spending. And the Patriots, they didn't roll out of bed on March 15 saying, hey, here's what we're going to do today when the clock strikes 12 and the negotiating window opens. They undoubtedly were strategizing and planning and talking. And yes, teams talk to agents about free agents long before the period for permissibly doing so opens. We've known that for years. The 
52-hour window is just a farce. It's a ruse. It's an effort to create the impression that things don't happen before. Then they do. And the Patriots, and I've got no problem with it. I'm not yeah. passing judgment. Right. If people are going if people are going to tamper, you may as well tamper effectively. Yeah. You may, you may as well just say, hey, look, here's what it is. Here's what it's going to be. And when the clock strikes 12 on Monday, March 15, you better make a decision. Because if your guy's not ready to take this offer, John U. Smith and Matthew Judon and everyone else they signed on Monday, if you're not ready to do it, we're moving on. We got others lined up. And you know what? You probably have nothing in your yeah, other right. hand right. like what we're putting in this hand. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They use their cash to their advantage to, to you know, put guys in a corner a little bit and, and make them feel the pressure of the offer. And let's get it done right now. You know, I, I, I think the, the, the big thing that, of course, we haven't seen the Patriots have to go through this. That's where it's shocking to everybody right off the bat. You know, they, they've been so good for so long. You know, it's an occasional free agent signing every few years where you go, oh, wow, I like that, blah, blah, blah. But there's never been like just an absolute splash, grab bag of guys, everything like this that we've seen them do. Well, yeah, okay, they, their, their roster was depleted. It's the first year they had to really do it. And again, what I go back to that I think is really interesting too, you know, and, you know, maybe this plays into the point as well as we'll pay you a little extra. We got the guys that we want marked and we're going to get it done in a hurry is, and I know we're going to talk about this, is their draft failures. You know, maybe they finally came to the realization and not waiting on some of the young draft picks they got on their team right now, right? They drafted two young tight ends last year, but I think they were probably like, wait, are we really going to depend to see if these rookies are better as second year guys? Okay, the hell with that. We're just going to take proven commodities, guys we know that can play right now and do it that way, let alone we know they haven't been the best in the draft. So I think that probably adds to your urgency and free agency to go along with it too uh, as far as if you want to turn this team around in a hurry. It's going to be through those guys, not necessarily the draft right now. You mentioned the draft failures. Let's go ahead and listen to Robert Kraft as he addressed his perception his conclusions about the manner in which the Patriots have or haven't mastered the draft board in recent years really the teams who draft well are the ones who will be consistently good I don't feel we've done the greatest job the last few years and I really hope and I believe I've seen a different approach this year and you know in the end it all comes out to what happens on the field and how well people execute and you really don't know a draft how good a draft is for at least two years the obvious takeaway from what he said is yeah. that it's a shot at the guy who runs the football operation and that is coach bill belichick now elsewhere in the call Kraft praised Belichick. I think if you listen carefully yeah. to what he said there, he's taking a shot at Nick Casario. He's not taking a shot at Bill Belichick. He's concerned about the approach over the past few years. There's a different approach this year. What's the difference? Casario's gone. And typically in New England, Chris, you know how it goes. Yeah. The guys who are coveted by other teams, if the Patriots want them to stay they stay. Yeah. We saw Casario stay two years ago when they wanted him to stay. We saw Josh McDaniel stay three years ago when they wanted him to stay. This year, all of a sudden, Casario's available. Maybe one of the reasons why Casario's available is after seven and nine, they took a step back and they were 
self-evaluating themselves yeah, and yeah. maybe they thought hey this isn't a bad time for Nick all due respect right but but that that's how I interpret that comment I don't think it's as much of a slap at Belichick as it is a slap at who was setting the table for Belichick in recent years and it was Casario yeah well that that's I mean that's how it kind of worked there there's no doubt about that you know it was Casario doing a lot of you know, the dirty work and, hey, here's these guys. This is what I think. And, of course, Bill is watching all of them, too. I mean, Bill, Bill's amazing. I mean, of course, he can balance all this and do it at a very high level and really never seem like he's stressed out, stre- stressed out or, you know, uh, being pulled in one direction any other way. But, I mean, obviously something there. And I think Mr. Kraft, you know, I think he's taking a shot at both of them all together. I think he's just taking a shot at the whole department as a whole. You know, ultimately, yeah, Casario is the guy that sets the table, but it is Belichick that's going to make the decision. You know, whether it's the draft free agency, he always has the, you know, the trump card to go, no, I know you like this guy, and I know you guys in the front office like this guy, but I'm picking this guy, right? I, I saw that go down one time uh, in, in my when I, one of my two drafts that I was there, but but the, the one thing that I think is great about New England, this is where I wanted to get to, sorry for talking there, is just that Mr. Kraft, Belichick, whatever, Casario, they're all just so blatantly honest. That's the other great thing about them. And that's what I think, you know, it, it makes them work. It, it's, Mr. Kraft's not going to BS. He's, no, we haven't done well. Bill knows he hasn't done well, too. He knows that. So he just says it like it is. They've addressed that situation. And knowing New England and Bill and the fact that he's always looking to do something better, how can I be more concise, you know, and and be better at this process, I would think they have changed their thought a little bit. What that is, I don't know. Uh, You know that you know my concerns with them and what they do in scouting and where I think they go wrong a lot of the time. Well, and I think it's a combination of drafting and developing. Yeah. Because at some point it's a failure of the coaching staff to take the lump of clay that's been given to them. Because even if you maybe drafted a guy a round or two higher than you should have, it's not like you're drafting undraftable players. These are guys, for the most part, that if the Patriots don't take them, someone else will. These are guys who at least have earned a shot in the NFL. So when they get through the door, who is in position to shape them into NFL players who can make a roster and who can contribute. So I think when we talk about draft failures, chronic draft failures, we have to also add and develop because I think that's one of the flaws here as well because we've seen what Bill Belichick can do with certain players, and I think he gravitates toward guys, we've talked about this before, who know what they're doing. Sure. Not guys who he may have some impatience for because they're, they're still, you know, wide-eyed and confused right. and they don't know how to sure. properly do things and Belichick's like get this guy out of here I want this guy instead well I, I mean there there's cert- like certainly something to that you know I, I do I do think Belichick is good at developing players I will say that I do just in my, because he's so about the basics and teaching you the right way and doing things but I think something else you said is also like correct here as far as you know he's so into like you just talked about Mike like guys that do the right thing and he does this and when I tell him to do that he does it it's perfect that way to me that's where the process goes wrong you've heard me say this before I believe that that it's the type of player they bring in 
to where I want to go, no, you you can't develop him into anything. He's developed. He's not that good. You I don't you you took him because of character and brains and things like that, little other intangibles, you know, that you feel like he will be an important or, or be able to be a piece that fits into the the bigger cog of their machine and everything like that. And that's where I always thought they messed up. A little too much value on brains and character as compared to just, you know, bottom line talent. Uh, and, and that was one thing that always jumped out to me in, in my two years being there. Yeah, plenty of guys love football. Right. And they also suck at football. That's right. And 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 that that's the reality. You got to find the sweet spot where you get guys who have NFL caliber ability and have all those intangibles that they love. Guys who have been team captains, guys who would play for free, guys who will take pay cuts, guys sure. who will play for less. Right. All of those things that help build the dynasty primarily in the first decade of the run. That's when they had a lot of those types of guys, but but they still value that and they look for that. The fact that the Patriots went 7-9 and nine is really what has created this urgency because it was yeah. the first time since 2000 they were below 500. And there was an exchange yesterday during this conference call that, that I, I want to read a little bit of it. We don't have the sound of it. Greg Bedard asked Kraft this question. What was your general impression of the team going 7-9? and nine? Did you have a meeting with Bill after the season to summarize it? What assurances do you have that personnel realize the error of their ways and are ready to correct them? Response, thanks, Greg. I appreciate it. I'll answer your question by saying that the 34 years before we owned the team, do you know how many home playoff games there were? And the response from Bedard was zero. Actually, one. Do you know how many we've had since we've owned the team the last 27 years? We've had 27, and that's when he launched into his reaction to going 7-9. and nine. I'm not going to use the word for how I felt, but it was horrible. Of course it is. When you've established that standard of excellence, and all of a sudden the wheels fly off, and it coincides with the departure of the greatest player in franchise history, right. the greatest quarterback of all time, and Tom Brady, it's going to create some angst, and it's going to prompt a reaction. And we saw the action... On March 15, 16, and 17. And we got the words after the fact with Robert Kraft, as you said, being candid. He hasn't had to be candid no. in 21 years. No. And th this is the first. Why has he never talked like this before? Because he hasn't had to talk like this before. Yeah, exactly right. This is, you know, uncharted waters for them. It really is. You know, but, but, but the one thing you can count on with New England and we've already seen that and you've alluded to it, that they got a, they got a plan of attack. And what they're going to do to to flip their team over, you know? Yeah, uh, they they fell off for a year, seven and nine. I know, and it was and it was really close to being eight and eight or nine and seven or ten and six. I mean, there's some heartbreaking losses there. There is, but the team was, you know, it, it was being it's being flipped over. You know, they've got they went all in with Brady and everybody for, you know, this that second Super Bowl run to go to the Super Bowl three out of four years. You know, the team had kind of come to the end of its shelf life and they were trying to kind of piece it together and make it work with young guys and a few older guys in Brady's last year. And I think ultimately that's why Brady lost. I mean, left. You know, that's the other thing I think that jumped out to me about Mr. Kraft's comments. You know, it, it, I thought, you know, one of the things he says, and I know we're going to get to that too, where he just, it sounded like, you know, 
yeah, they, they, they let Brady go. They wanted him back. But it sounded like, yeah, we let him go because he knew he wasn't going to have a ton of talent here and he wanted more talent on his team, right? I mean, that's what it sounded like, and there's nothing wrong with that. But they were in a spot where they knew they couldn't flip their team over last year. They bit the bullet. They went 7-9, and nine, and now they got this money, and now I guarantee they're going to be back in the thick of things here next year. I agree with what you said, but it reminded me of the excuse-making yeah. during the season from Bill Belichick, where he created the impression that they went all in and blew out the cap and spent, spent, spent right. in a way like that just that. isn't true. Yeah, it's right, not true. Right, right. What it was was the accumulation of bad drafts. Bad drafts, failure to develop, and then you've got that young nucleus that never really matures into the guys who get second contracts, the guys who become cornerstones of the franchise. So now what you have to do is you have to go out and buy those guys on the open market because you haven't been able to develop them. I think that's the reality. They did not go out and, and engage in all sorts of salary cap magic to hold these teams together no no, no they but just they were have very the good teams and, and it caught up with them last yeah, year exactly but it caught up with them it last year them, it caught up with them last year you're right and then the lack of young you know development I think you're spot on right there with the fact that hey we got a bunch of guys that are in year six seven eight and nine right you know that fact there was there was nothing in the middle to kind of mesh them together there I guess is what we're saying really and that's where they are right now. And, and of course, they're, they're trying to correct it. And I think they've gone a long way already to, to correct it. Year two post-Tom Brady quarterback yeah. depth chart for now is Cam Newton, Jared Stidham, Robert Kraft addressed that critical position during his comments yesterday. Here he is. We have a situation where we have, you know, at this point in time, um, we're trying to do what, the best thing for us is, you know, I think in fairness to Cam, I'm not sure he had the proper weapons around him last year. And then he got COVID and there were a lot of things that happened. And I don't know that Jared has ever really gotten a fair shot. So we, we have to wait and see what happens. And this isn't something where you get algebraic formulas. Uh, think of all the uh, personnel wizards who passed for six rounds on Tom Brady. And so one way or another, we have to get that position solidified. He's absolutely right about that, too. And I'm glad he mentioned the COVID reality with Cam Newton. It's not an excuse. It's a fact. Once he got COVID, Number one, he wasn't available for a key game against the Kansas City Chiefs that I feel like they could have won Definitely, with right? just slightly better quarterback play, bit. and they didn't get it from Brian Hoyer right. and Jared Stidham. But secondly, that threw the the operation off kilter. It did. And it felt like it was off kilter for the rest of the year. Cam Newton wasn't the same guy that he was before. It slowed down his development, his transition, his learning of the offense. And those factors will not be at play as they go into year two with Cam Newton. So I, I I think he's accurate. And again, that's not an excuse. It's a fact, Chris. I, I agreed, Mike. I know it's it's a lot of people don't want to hear that. And, and you know, it's a lot of New England fans in a lot of ways that don't want to hear that. Uh, it, the, the circumstances could not have been tougher than what they were last year for really the Patriots and for Cam Newton, especially. I mean, you know, rhythm is real as an athlete. 
You know, momentum is real. I mean, I sound like I'm Ray Lewis. Remember, he used to go, momentum is real. Yeah, but but it is. You know, you have positives to build off of. Ooh, we're playing good. I'm doing this good. I feel in rhythm. I'm going to continue to get better here within the offense, and now I feel good, you know, physically so we can keep this rolling. Oh, wait, now I can't practice? I got to lock myself in a hotel room for two weeks? I can't throw a football? And... I was just getting to a point where I felt somewhat comfortable within the offense. Yeah, I mean, that it is real. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And then, then of course, we talked about heartbreaking losses to go along with it. They're just, they're not that far off. That's where, you know, I, 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 I try to talk to my New England fans for the most part, or my friends that are like that, to go, you can win with Cam Newton. Yeah, I know he's not your future, but you could go to the playoffs and make a real playoff run with Cam Newton and be dangerous in the AFC. And I think they they are with the way their team's set up right now. I think it fits him better this year, of course, than it did last year with some of the weapons they got. Kraft was asked, do you expect to be a contender this year? This was the last question he took. He said, I expect to be a contender every year. That's my objective. Last year was very disappointing, and I really do believe that Cam getting COVID and what it did to the team, it changed it a lot when we were in a good place. Yeah. Now we'll have a chance to see. I want, And then that's that's it. They get a chance this year. COVID is behind them. It, hopefully it's behind all of us by the time September rolls around, and it won't be a factor for any team's performance. Losing a key player, having your facility shut down, those won't determine who wins and loses, who's good and who isn't, and that whatever you want to call it, excuse, fact, or somewhere in between, that's off the table this year for the New England Patriots. And if they fail, it's going to be for reasons other than their starting quarterback got COVID. Uh, agreed. I just think Cam Newton's going to be on a mission. I think the coaching staff will be on a mission. You could tell that free agency, the front office is on a mission. You know, that's a place that just they're they're not going to settle for seven and nine. I could tell you that. And they were like, like you said, just to piggyback that they were two and one and we were going, wow, they look pretty good. You know what? They beat the Raiders by 16 points at home. You're going, all right. And then Cam hit and then they were two and five. I mean, right when that was all said and done. And yeah, it was a battle ever from, you know, since that point on. And uh, yeah, I just think now that they know their quarterback and it's here early spring, they know the players that they're going to have around the quarterback with that offensive line. And now you give Josh McDaniels the whole offseason here to really toy and tinker with the offense. And now he knows what Cam Newton is as a person, a learner, how much he can throw on him within the offense and things like that. I think this is where you see them concoct the right formula and he opens some eyes next year. I really would be shocked if Cam Newton didn't open some eyes and play some good football next year. From the Patriots, who have been a perennial contender over the past 20 years, with the exception of 2020, to the Giants, who have been unable to get out of their own way since beating the Patriots 10 years Shut ago. Shut your mouth, Florio. 46. <laughs> One playoff appearance in 10 years. John Mara, co-owner of the team and basically guy who runs the team, and in the opinion of some guy who runs the league, recently met with reporters. He was asked what it would mean for the Giants to do what they haven't done since 2011 and get back to the Super Bowl. Here he is. Obviously, it would mean the world to me. It's been a very difficult uh, four or five year period uh, for us. And, um, uh, you know, I'm tired of, um, of the losing and of having the, 
postseason press conference trying to explain what went wrong and why I think we're making progress. It's time for us to start uh, winning uh, some more, and that's one of the reasons we spent the money that we did. You, know, you talked about wanting to win and you're expecting to win more. If this team does not produce more in 2021, will Dave Gettleman be your GM in 2022? Well, I'm not going to speculate on that uh, right now. Let's just see how the season plays out. I, I, I have more confidence going into this season than I've had in previous years. So um, hopefully, uh, you know, given the money that we spent, given the draft that we expect to have, we'll, we'll have a better team on the field this year. In other words, Gettleman's in trouble if they have another season like the seasons they've had in recent years. I don't know that I agree with that because then you get a new GM. The new GM is going to want a different coach and you continue to have this out of sync front office and coaching staff. You got to get rid of everybody or get rid of nobody and continue to play it out. But a lot of it depends upon what they do this year, Chris. And I said this earlier in the week. Anytime that the GM in New York is feeling the heat, that's when we see the cash fly. We saw it with Jerry Reese yeah, the year that. that it felt like he was on the hot seat and they went out and signed guys like Janoris Jenkins and Snacks Harrison and Olivier Vernon, threw a ton of money on that defense. Now this year, some heat ratcheting up, and they go out and they spend a bunch of money, and we'll see if spending a bunch of money on – you know, as I've said, over $100 million in contract value on guys who played a combined eight games last year in yeah. Kenny Galladay and Adoree Jackson. We'll see if that makes a difference. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, you know, a little like, you know, New England and the fact that they had guys that they looked at that they felt like they could change their team. They had some extra money and they just said, OK, we're not going to mess around, you know. And yeah, it does seem like they overpaid. Like you said, you, you've heard it's, you know, you know, more than three million dollars at least for Kenny Galladay. You know, okay, that stinks. That's troubling. But when you feel like he can maybe make the difference in your football team, make your quarterback better, get you over the hump, I think that's something that they probably could come to terms with there. They, 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 they're close. It's the first year in a while where I feel like, like I like the direction of the football team. First of all, that's because of Joe Judge and the coaching staff. I mean, I, I do have confidence in them. I, we talked about this earlier this week or late last week, whatever it was. You know, one, he's a real football guy. You know, the, the way they play, everything like that, the approach to each game I thought was very impressive. And Gettleman, you know, even though he's not a New England guy, he's an old school Giants guy. The Giants and Patriots have a lot of the same philosophies as far as building their football team and what they look at. There's a lot of similarities there. There's been a lot of crossover in between those two organizations over the year. So Gettleman's, you know, vision of a football team, I do think fits what Joe Judge is trying to build with the New York Giants. It's along a Nick Saban's, Bill Belichick thought and frame of mind as far as what he likes at linebacker and defense end and what fits Patrick Graham's defense as a defensive coordinator, all of those things. So that's where I'm excited. I really am. And I think there's a legit chance that they can win the NFC East this year. I mean, when you look at their roster through and through, it's better than the Cowboys through and through. It's better than the Eagles through and through. And then it's Washington. But we have an unproven quarterback and an unproven head coach, and we kind of got to see it first. But winning the division, I the know. worst division in football, yeah. is one thing. Getting back to the Super Bowl is another. Right. I think no matter what the Giants do, and now, look, the reality is by the time we get to January, teams will be far different than they are in September. Some will be better, some will be worse. Very few are exactly the same. 
By the time we get to January, though, when you consider Packers, Buccaneers, yeah, that's right. Whoever emerges from the NFC West, that yeah, going on the road and having to beat those teams. Now they did it in 2007. They did it in 2011. That was part of the fuel that carried them to upsets over the Patriots in the Super Bowl. But that that that's a tough hand to draw, but that's where they are. If they get back to the Super Bowl, it's not going to be because they're the Phil Simms Giants of 86 or 90 when they're wire-to-wire great and the road to the Super Bowl is going through their stadium. It's going to be, let's hope we win the division, let's win at home in the wild card round, and let's hope like hell we can go on the road and win the games that we're not supposed to win. I I mean, you're right. Realistically, as a Giants fan, I'm not. I mean, and Pete Demolitis, he's a Giants fan. He's listening here. I'm not expecting Super Bowl. I just want, you know, a glimmer, a gleam. You know, what is that? The old Marty Schottenheimer thing. And there's a gleam, man. You know, there's a gleam. It's the weirdest pregame speech or postgame going into overtime saying ever. But that's all I want as a fan of the Giants. Just give me some hope. Let me see, like, oh, wow, okay, we j- we got into the playoffs. All right, next year's our year. I mean, that's where I just think as a Giants fan, we just wanted to see the team going in the right direction so we got hope for maybe 2022 we can make a legit Super Bowl run. This year, I'd just be happy with playoffs, like you said, winning the NFC East, and if we win one playoff game, i go, that was a go, that's a good year for the, Gi- the Giants. The G-Men. I think we've exhausted all reasonable things we can say about the Giants. Yeah. Once they start winning games, then they get Don't more be a hater, time Florio. allotted to them. I'm just saying, once they start winning games, if you're right, if they're a contender in the NFC East, we'll be talking plenty about the New York Jets, and well, our Giants and Jets. Both teams have a lot to prove to land on our radar screen and consume time in the program. When we return, a topic that has consumed plenty of time because it is the biggest story in the NFL. The latest on the Deshaun Watson situation and our thoughts on the statement that was released yesterday by his lawyer. More PFT Live right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Oh, the charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Uh-oh. Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Save big money on protecting your garden. Now at Menards. Messina's Animal Stopper is a liquid repellent that prevents pesky animals from damaging your garden. Available in a convenient, ready-to-use bottle. It lasts for up to 30 days, regardless of weather and watering. Save big money on Messina's Animal Stopper at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. 
The lawsuits against Deshaun Watson, all of which allege misconduct during massage sessions, now at 21. A surprising statement emerged yesterday afternoon from his lawyer, Rusty Harden. 18 massage therapists with their names attached to statements of support for Deshaun Watson. Most of them don't mention the pending lawsuits. Some of them cross over into commenting on the credibility of the claims being made by the 21 plaintiffs. It's possible that all of them are telling the truth. We can't rule that out. It could be that there are 18 people out there who had no bad experience with Deshaun Watson and 21 others, plus the 22nd person who spoke to SI.com and who's not yet sued. They could be telling the truth that they had bad experiences, that there were things that happened that shouldn't have happened. The big takeaway, Chris, that a lot of people have had, and this is where yet another Rusty Harden statement that they think is a silver bullet becomes a boomerang. Yeah, why? The prevailing reaction to this is, why does this guy have 40 I, different massage therapists? Okay, good. Yeah, that that's that's. I, I wondered what you were going to say there. I haven't really paid attention to like social media reaction and stuff like that. But that was my initial reaction. I mean, how many massage therapists does the damn guy have? Yeah, it, it, it is weird. Now, it doesn't mean, mean he's guilty or anything like that. It does not. Um, but, you know, within helping himself, it, it, it again is the second time where it raises a few more questions, too, to just go, why can't we just have one or two therapists? And they can massage the uncomfortable area that you know, is, is so talked about so much and he's showing charts and everything like that. So I'm with you, Mike. That was, uh, you know, a little weird to me. And I, I don't know what this means, but I guess it's a little positive publicity for Deshaun Watson in this pu public fight right now. Well, and, and that's one important thing to keep in mind, Chris. This is all court of public opinion yeah. stuff because I was looking at the Texas rules of evidence, which look to be very similar, if not identical to the federal rules of evidence and the West Virginia rules of evidence. And in civil cases, it will be very, very, very difficult for Rusty Harden to bring on a parade of witnesses like the Seinfeld finale, where it's one massage therapist after another saying he never did anything improper with me. Right. He never did anything improper with me. He never did anything improper with me. Character witnesses in civil cases, for the most part, are prohibited. So... And, and it, it's, it's look, it's a common sense reaction. I mean, you, you bring in the branch manager of a bank saying, well, he never robbed my bank. Well, OK, we're not accusing him of robbing your bank. Yeah, He's right. being accused of robbing someone else's bank. Right. That's the question. Did yeah. he rob that bank? The question isn't, did he rob your bank? And I think that's where this becomes in a court of law, a very difficult argument to make. But it's not about the court of law. It's about the court of public opinion. But it feels like every time Rusty Harden issues a statement aimed at helping Deshaun Watson in the court of public opinion, there's something that swings back around and creates a caveat, a yeah. question, a criticism. And Jamon Bushrod played for 12 years in the NFL. He tweeted yesterday in response to our story with the Harden statement. He said, I played 12 years. I think I had half of that number of massage ther therapists throughout my entire career. Right. So that... That underscores the natural reaction that a layperson is going to have. Why do you have 40 massage therapists when you have a guy who played in the NFL for 12 years with a recognizable name yeah. say, what the hell's up with this? That, that just makes it 
more natural and logical for people to say, what the hell's up with this? No, no question. I, I you know, I, I can speak to myself. I mean, you know, one, maybe two massage therapists, right, in the area. Oh, wait, this this guy does, this woman, this guy doesn't, he's not available. Let me call the backup plan to see if they can do that. I mean, really, that's, I, I think that's pretty, you know, standard for, for most NFL players is to have that one, maybe two person. You don't even trust a lot of times like different strangers to touch you. It, it's like you got to get in the trust tree and you got to be able to, you know, rub me the right way and massage me the right way to where I, I don't wake up the next morning and go, wait, I feel worse and things like that. You know, players are picky with that type of stuff. So, uh, yeah, it, it was a nice attempt in the, the court of public opinion. But to me, it's like they can't win that war right now. It's over. Like they were too late to react to all of this. You know, that's where I look at it and just go Busby and company just came out swinging. I mean, just right hook, uppercut, left uppercut. We're throwing haymakers and Watson and his team were in the corner just taking blows, doing the rope-a-dope here for a while and just receiving it. And and now I feel like it's going to be too hard really to overturn the, the public opinion and, and how yeah. everybody feels about it. But there's also a chance that Busby's going to pull a Daniel Jones and trip over the five-yard line, given <laughs> what right. we talked about yesterday, yeah. that statement from the other night, trying to explain why he ultimately is not, even though he said multiple times he was going to, why he's not submitting evidence to the Houston Police Department to support a potential criminal prosecution. Art Acevedo, who's the outgoing Houston police chief, and I can't tell whether he's already gone or whether he's just on the way of heading to Miami for the same job. The way he posted a tweet yesterday in response to our story about Busby's latest comments, it created the impression he's not gone yet. Acevedo made it clear, we're ready to investigate all allegations. Mr. Busby can cast all the baseless assertions about the hardworking men and women of the Houston police that he wants. He can't run away from history and the truth of the professionalism of our men and women we stand ready to investigate. And, and, and I look, I look at it this way. The claim by Busby that there's some bias against him or some bias in favor of Rusty Harden, who represents Deshaun Watson, that will prevent the Houston Police Department from properly investigating 21 claims of sexual misconduct. If he truly believes that, that he's an impediment, he should withdraw. He should get somebody else to represent these 21 people because he's undermining the efforts of his clients to get complete justice, if he truly believes it. And even if he doesn't withdraw, those 21 individuals should hire a different lawyer if their lawyer is an impediment to their effort to get complete justice, if he truly believes it. If he doesn't believe it, he's just trying to create a safe harbor for never following through on his threat to go to the police, because he knows that a contest of what happened between two people in a room with no witnesses and no objective proof to tilt it one way or the other is never going to result in a prosecution. But he wants to create the yeah, sense right. that there could be a prosecution because it makes the cases look stronger if you're saying, we're going to take this to the police. Oh, wait, we're not going to take it to police, but not because we have any concerns about whether or not there would be a justifiable prosecution. We have concerns about the, the police not liking me. That, that So either he should stand down because he really is an impediment to his clients getting justice, or he's just pretending that to be the case so he can justify not going to the police. Either way, he's got a problem with that. One that, one that I think the average person isn't really going to notice, 
But it's just another reason why, Chris, I got a problem with the way he's handled this. Yeah, I and got that it. has nothing to do with whether or not his clients are telling the truth. I don't like his tactics. I don't like his methods. And I really don't like what he did the other night by trying to create this false narrative as to why he wouldn't go to the police. Yeah, well, I have a hard time believing that this is the first time Tony Busby's rubbed people the wrong way. I mean, he's rubbed us the wrong way here from the start, and that's not letting off Deshaun Watson off the hook in any, you know, shape, way, or form. It's that, yeah, you know, Busby has got a, a very flamboyant, in-your-face, condescending way he talks and, and delivers statements and things. So... Uh, I, I'm sure there is a history. Who knows with him and the Houston police? You know, the, the, Mike, here's what I want to ask you. I mean, it, uh, again, like, I don't have experience here. Should Houston police be investigating this at this point? Would this be normal for them to be doing this if this was like Johnny Common Citizen? Well, number one, they don't know who the people are. Yeah, that's right. right. At some right. point, the person who's the victim of the crime has to initiate the process of alerting the authorities to the fact that there is a crime. And just because there are 22 lawsuits filed under a pseudonym, that's not going to activate law enforcement in and of itself. At some point, there has to be something that they can say, we, 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 we have an obligation to look into this. And typically, it involves the victim or the alleged victim picking up the phone or going to the police station and starting the process of of triggering an investigation and then the appropriate individuals decide whether or not they're going to pursue criminal charges. So I just think in this case, my opinion is, and this is an opinion. Yeah. I think Busby wanted to huff and puff about prosecution to seal off the argument that was being raised in the court of public opinion. And I don't like this argument, but it was being raised in the court of public opinion. Why didn't any of these people go straight to the police? A lot of people will raise that issue yeah, and you don't have to go straight to the police. Right. And there are reasons why people don't go straight to the police. That doesn't make their their stories untrue. But in an effort to prop up the alleged victims and give them that explanation, Busby, I think, is, is he's gone too far with this. Oh, we're going to the police. We're going to the police. We're going to the police. Oh, wait a minute. Here's why we're not going to the police. Right. And, and I, I don't like it. And the last word about Busby. I mean, look, the bottom line is if you're an effective lawyer, you will piss a lot of people off. Yeah, that's right. Trust I me. know. I know. Trust me. Yeah. Sorry, London. But <laughs> we know. If I deal if with one every day. If I know. you are not, if you are not pissing people off when you're practicing law, you are doing it wrong. All right, let's take a break. When we return, Seahawks doing it right, at least as it relates to one of their top receivers. What does the extension for Tyler Lockett mean, if anything, for the future of Russell Wilson? More PFT Live right after this. Tyler Lockett, one of the key players in recent years for the Seattle Seahawks, a four-year extension, keeping him in place across from DK Metcalf, a very underrated one-two punch at receiver, yeah. making that one-two punch even better, Chris. Russell Wilson delivering the football, and that's the first thing everybody wanted to talk about with the Tyler Lockett extension. We got, we got highlights and sound, apparently. Boom. Uh, <laughs> the, what does it mean, if anything, for Russell Wilson? I think it means absolutely nothing. What do you think? I'm with you. It means Jack Diddley's squat. That's what it means. I mean, Tyler Lockett's a guy. It doesn't matter who you got. Chris Kringle, Mike Florio, you know, Johnny Do Be Good, whatever. Whoever's playing quarterbacks, you don't like Tyler Lockett at wide receiver. 
So th this is about a guy they drafted. He fits the culture of their team, and he and he fits a few roles within the offense. He's that guy that can be you know a weapon, and he's a slot receiver, and yet he's got enough speed to be an outside receiver and scare people that way. So uh, I think it's you know a win-win all the way around for the Seahawks and signing a guy like Tyler Lockett. Of course, Russell Wilson is excited by the move because that's been his M.O. in recent weeks, Go endorsing Hawks. any and all moves that the Seahawks make. We know that there's something more going on because he said so. This isn't unnamed sources trafficking in innuendo. This is Russell Wilson two days after the Super Bowl on Dan Patrick's show, making it clear that he has concerns. Those concerns have not been resolved, Chris. Those concerns are still there, and there continues to be a sense around the league between now and the end of the draft, he still could be traded. I uh, agreed. I mean, you know, there's. Uh, I think that's still a very big option or something that could go down here in the next five weeks. And yes, probably closer to the draft, like you're talking about. You know, they tried to Gabe Jackson. They got him. They signed him. Yeah, we'll see. But we know the Seahawks. They're not going to change their whole team just because of what Russell Wilson says. That's for sure. I mean, they're not. They have a belief in the way things should be done. So we'll see where it goes. But. Yeah, I don't think we're out of the woods with that trade discussion yet. Here's where we're going to break for just a couple of minutes. A full hour on this Thursday edition of PFT Live still to come. We'll be right back. What's up, buddy? Hey, Ben, can I call you back? I'm about to go wet the water. You're going to do what? Wet the water. I'll call oh, you back. Yeah. Yeah, all right, Yo, let me call you back. I'm about to have a baby. Yo, let me call you back. I got to fold the dishes. Yes, sir. I'm sorry I was on the phone when you called, buddy. It's all good, Coach. Hey, Coach, can I call you back? I'm buying a Christmas tree right now. <laughs> You're buying a Christmas tree? Yeah. Yeah, sure, buddy. Call me back. Yo. What up? Hey, let me call you back. I'm pregnant. All right. Hey, can All I right. can I call you back? I'm in the meeting. Yo. Hey, listen, listen, listen. Let me call you back. I'm having a baby. Well, why the f you call me then? Yo, let me call you back. I'm Christmas shopping right now. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. 